Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Lots going on. We're going to talk trade with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. The U.S. and China say they will talk trade as well, and we'll get the latest on that. Joe Camp with AgriVisor joins us. We're going to talk about markets and what we're seeing as far as a potential crop out there and weather issues still as we head towards harvest time and demand situation as well. And we'll get a crop update from the state of Ohio, just north of Columbus. Ohio farmer Cy Prettyman will join us to tell us about conditions in his area. But let's start things off with the traveling man, Jerry Hagstrom, with the Hagstrom Report, who last week we talked with him while he was in Denver, and I think now you're in Montana. Is that right, Jerry? That's right. I'm in I'm in Deer Lodge or uh, Red Lodge, Montana, this morning, and I'm headed to Bozeman. I'm going to go and take a look at what it's like uh, for Montana State University to reopen today, or well, they reopened this week. But I'll see how things are a few days after they have reopened. You're just uh, trying to stay away from heat and humidity as best you can. How successful have you been? Uh, I've been really successful. The air out here is so wonderful. It's uh, it's it's just great. Uh, although yesterday, uh, I narrowly invo- avoided a hailstorm. Uh, I was out uh, hiking in the Custer National Park, and it started raining, so it came back to town. And uh, here, uh, it was um, uh, here. It had hailed. Uh, the rain had been much harder here in town. Uh, so uh, there's still some weather weather events, but it's great to be out of that heat and humidity in Washington. But I know you're keeping track of what's going on back there, and now a proposal, or at least uh, somewhat of a rumor, I guess, a re- circulating uh, a rumor that the Senate Republicans might push a skinny, if you will, or a slimmed-down coronavirus aid package that would leave out any additional aid for agriculture. Well, you're one step ahead of me on that because I've been trying to find out if there was anything in there for agriculture, but nobody's responded to my emails, and what, which means there probably isn't anything because they don't want, uh, they don't want to tell me there's nothing in there. Uh, so I imagine that that is uh, the case. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, what's going to happen with that uh, since the house is, the house will come back to vote on this postal measure, I guess on Saturday, uh, but then uh, they're not supposed to come back for votes until the 14th of September. So uh, it's pretty much uh, well moot for almost another uh, another month. We'll just be kind of sitting here. Yeah, this new proposal uh, reportedly would include business liability protections that are uh, a top priority for GOP leaders and would authorize a second round of Paycheck Protection Program loans and would include more favorable terms for farmers based on their Schedule F income. So we, we just have to wait and see if uh, if that is indeed the path forward or not. Obviously, there will be a lot of pushback, I'm sure, uh, as they try to hammer this out. But in the meantime, here we are, I think probably already later than we would have thought we'd go without some kind of a another assistance package out of Congress? Well, that's 
that's right. Uh, but you have to also think about who else isn't getting assistance. You know, the state and local governments are clamoring for assistance. Uh, I think the schools and universities were hoping for something. Uh, so uh, I, I don't want to say those, those forces are more important than agriculture, but they're, uh, but they're bigger. And I, I don't think we can get anything really serious going here until after the Democratic convention and Republican conventions are done. And, of course, the Democratic convention is this week, and then the Republican convention will be next week. So after that, maybe there'll be more of a focus on making policy instead of just on politics. Hey, you know, I thought it being an election year would guarantee that a package would get passed. And in some ways, you said it's probably delaying right now a package getting passed. Right, right. But the interesting thing this week, of course, has been the Democratic Convention and the fact that they did have a Democrat from a uh, farmer, not a Democrat, a farmer from Pennsylvania who had voted for Trump, uh, who was part of the uh, of the uh uh, uh, Democratic uh, uh, virtual convention one night uh, this week, uh, and then the Democratic World Council had an online event, and also the uh, what they call the Ag Leaders, uh, which is a bunch of lobbyists, uh, had an event on uh, 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 this week too. So there's been this focus. Uh, we've kind of moved on from agriculture now, but the Democrats did focus on rural America. Uh, for a couple of days there. And I think that's one of the more interesting parts of this election. Uh, how will rural America go this time? And does President Trump still have that support? I, I don't see anybody predicting that uh, Joe Biden will take away that support, but they're trying to cut into it. And if so, how much can they cut into it? I think that's an interesting uh, storyline in this election. Yes, for the, for the for the Democrats, the important thing is to reduce the Republican vote in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, because that's where they hope to win, where they lost last time. And uh, and if if you have two, uh, if you have a really high uh, Republican turnout in the rural areas, then it's very hard for the Democratic candidate to win. But if they if that is reduced, then the then the Democrat usually uh, usually do, does win. Now I'd say the two themes that the Democrats are are, are promoting really is that life under Trump has been so chaotic. As Senator Stabenow said the other day, uh, Trump says China's good one day, and then he says China's bad the next day. So it's it's very hard to tell what's going on. And the other, the other major theme is ethanol. What's going to happen with ethanol? Trump went to Iowa this week, and he said he'd speak to EPA about the renewable fuel standard and, the, and those uh, small refinery waivers. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty bland statement. Speak to EPA. Uh, Trump is still in this position where he's trying to, uh, to uh, please the oil industry and trying to please farmers. And on the ethanol issue, that's just impossible. Well, one thing's for sure. This week, the Democrats paint one picture of the country. Next week, the Republicans will paint another picture of the country. And we'll see what the people think uh, come November, which one uh, they believe is the more accurate of the two. 
But uh, we, yeah, the ethanol issue, Jerry, for sure, is going to be a key one in rural America, and we'll see if there's any uh, movement on that between now and the election, or will the administration indeed choose to uh, try to delay it till after the election? Well, enjoy your uh, your ongoing trip there, and we'll talk again soon, Jerry. Take care. All right, always good to talk to you. I'm going to have a beautiful drive today. All right, Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Well, speaking of China. Uh, U.S. and China officials now say they will have some trade talks. We'll have our trade talks with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now. Back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk trade with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, good to talk with you again. And speaking of talks, we are now hearing from U.S. and China Chinese officials that they are willing to now sit down and talk, looking at phase one and beyond. What's the latest that you've heard? Yes, we are hearing that uh, talks, uh, which we thought were going to happen the end of last week, uh, will happen. Uh, I haven't heard anything specific about the time. Uh, we can remember that in the Phase 1 agreement, part of it did say that the parties will get together every six months to go over any issues, to have some high-level talks. Well, specifically, that six-month date was uh, last Saturday, I believe. Uh, remember, the uh, agreement went into force on February 14th, so uh, they were looking at that. So uh, hopefully they can get together soon. Certainly the talks uh, on, that we care about on agriculture want to make sure everything's going forward well. Uh, both sides, uh, especially from our point of view, the Chinese are going to live up to their commitments on purchases. So there's a lot of interest in whether these talks go forward or not. We also don't want to take it as a, uh, another signal or another step, you may say, in a what is uh, turning out to be a somewhat rocky U.S.-Chinese relationship lately. Yeah, there for a while looked like there would not be any talks in the immediate future, and now that they are willing to, should, do we take that as a positive sign? Well, I certainly think we do, that they're uh, going forward, that while there are certainly uh, disagreements uh, in many other areas, but the Phase 1 trade agreement is something that uh, both sides have been working to fulfill. It's something, obviously, we care a lot about. Um, we have the two parts of it, of course, the purchases, which uh, happening, uh, we see an uptick in uh, Chinese buying over the last few weeks, as we thought there would be as we went into the late summer, into the fall, uh, when they start uh, you know, executing the contracts for their purchases of our fall harvest in, you know, in sorghum and corn and uh, soybeans, um, a little lagging on cotton, but some of that's happening also. Uh, whether we get up to the $36 billion uh, for the year, hard to tell at this point. Uh, pretty far behind that, but we do expect a big, uh, a big push up this fall. And also, of course, there's the standards. Another big part of the, a lot of the attention in the agreement was China improving a lot of their uh, import standards that it blocked our exports to them of a lot of commodities for many years. There were about 57 specific commitments in the Phase One agreement that China said they would do. They've uh, done about 50 of them. 
have, uh, you know, approved over 3,500 U.S. facilities for export to China. So that part of it, you know, that's uh, that's uh, being lived up to. Other things are still being worked on, of course. So all in all, you know, we're looking forward to improvement on this agreement, and we certainly want to see it uh, live up to its promise. Well, the purchase side is what gets all the attention, really, and it's good that you brought up those other areas that are part of it and are are uh, being addressed. But on the purchase side, do you think the purchases they are making and have made, they would have anyway, or are they because of the Phase 1 trade deal? Yeah. I think some some mix of both, of course. Hard to tell at this point where they're still, uh, you know, what are we at? Uh, through June, they were about 6.6 or 6.7 billion in purchases. We've seen a lot more recently, so they were up in the seven plus billion now through July or maybe higher. You know, we're moving up there. Um, it'll really tell. You know, do we start approaching the numbers when we get up into the 20 plus, trying to get towards that 36 billion? Uh, they got a long way to go. Um, but it's all a matter of, I think, of how much do they want to do. Uh, we still have the product to sell them, don't we? And remember, China imports about $125 billion a year in agriculture and food products. So they're buying from around the world, and they always could have bought more from the U.S. Now they have an agreement, uh, which uh, they said they would live up to, which they agreed that they would buy a lot more. And uh, we're looking forward to those purchases really increasing. Uh, over the next several months. That'll that'll certainly tell us a lot. We're talking with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, we're not hearing, any, hearing anything lately about a uh, possible trade deal either with the European Union or with just the U.K. Is there anything going on there? Well, with the U.K., there is action. They've been through a third round of their virtual trade here, trade meetings that just ended uh, a week or so ago. And they're at what they call in the uh, world of trade negotiations, text-based discussions, meaning they've exchanged words. They've exchanged uh, text to talk about uh, through the chapters, and now they can work on that. You know, some things are always easier than others. Uh, chapters to dealing with a lot of some of the basic rules and other things. You know, our economies are like, our, a lot of our rules and regulations are much alike. Our approach to law is much alike. When it comes to specifics, though, that's where always the rub is. And the U.K. has to decide how much they want to move away from the European Union regulations, which they're still under, even though their form politically have left. They haven't officially left the EU, and they have to negotiate their way out of that. Of course, at the same time, now they're talking with us. They're talking with the European Union. And there's a lot of, uh, you might say, leveraging going back and forth among the three parties, uh, you know, between Washington, Brussels, and London on issues like food safety standards, you know, beef and poultry that we would want to uh, send into the U.K. where they have to change the regulations they've been living under from the EU for the last, you know, since 1973, and other issues. Tariffs are a part of it. So just on the ag side, there's a lot of issues. There's also, of course, a lot in there about finance, uh, other things that are would put our economies, you know, working closer together uh, through trade. So... A lot of issues with the U.K., but it's moving along. That's moving along. The U.S. and the E.U. really aren't uh, engaging in trade discussions right now. They're still uh, having a lot of back and forth on the tariff issues of that uh, Boeing Airbus, Airbus subsidies dispute. So 
not much happening as far as formal trade uh, negotiations between the U.S. and the EU. And what are your thoughts early on into USMCA? We've heard the dairy industry uh, concerned about enforcement of the dairy provisions with Canada and Mexico, but especially Canada. And we've already heard some concerns from various segments of agriculture about some issues with Mexico. What are your thoughts on the start of USMCA? Well, it's like uh, the changes we'll have to evaluate. You're right with the dairy provisions with Canada. They need to increase their uh, allotments, you may say, or their allowable uh, imports from the U.S. It's uh, through the tariff rate quota program, whereas there are certain amounts for a wide range of dairy products that they'll allow increases of. And any more than that, you have to pay the uh, over quota amount, which gets into the 200% plus on their dairy imports. Uh, no tariffs up to that. So that's up to Canada to live up to that. So that's being watched very closely. I know certain segments of the dairy industry are concerned about how they'll implement that, what they call the fill rates, how much uh, U.S. products, even though they agreed to do it, will they actually let in. So that's constant concern. Um, with Mexico, you know, on that part, we kept our uh, tariff-free trade with Mexico. But, of course, there's the ongoing issues, and that's been the subject of uh, a hearing last week and a continuing hearing just today. Uh, by USTR and USDA on seasonal produce imports during a uh, specific time of the year, which has impacted southeastern produce growers. A lot of competition there that uh, they think is unfair competition. So that's something that uh, USTR is looking at. They've said they'll come out with an action plan. We're not exactly sure what's going to be in that um, very soon, possibly in the next few weeks. So we'll look forward to seeing what uh, USTR, USDA think they can do for uh produce growers here in the U.S. Meanwhile, Mexico seems to be moving away from the use of glyphosate. Could that be a potential uh, deal, uh, a trade issue between the two countries? Well, I think it could be. I think it could be. We've uh, seen that, the announcement. They've phased out by, I think they said, 2024. Um, that certainly allows time for more uh, more discussion. Um certainly an issue that uh, the uh, U.S. industry, U.S. agriculture has been talking about to our government, talking about the Mexican government. Uh, and again, depending on how far they push it, if there would be some kind of barriers to put U.S. products produced with that, that certainly would be uh, would be something that would be would take very seriously um, and could end up, you know, eventually into the USMCA dispute resolution processes. But uh you know, we're, we're hopefully a ways from that, but there'll have to be a lot more discussion between the, uh, the U.S. government and the Mexican government on this issue. Yeah, it's one of those uh, issues on the horizon we need to just keep a watch on and see how that develops. Dave, good to talk with you. Thank you for the update. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, up next, as uh, crop estimates are coming in, we'll talk with Joe Camp with AgriVisor, get his thoughts, and, and how are the markets looking at all this? That's next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, it's that time of year as we head to harvest. A lot of crop 
projections are out there, tours are going on. Let's talk with Joe Camp, AgriVisor Manager. Joe, thanks for joining us. What are your thoughts on some of the numbers we're seeing? Thank you. Yeah, it's the week of the crop tour here, the month of the crop tour. A lot of those going on across the Midwest, and we're getting numbers from out in the field that are well mixed, variable. That's no surprise. We're seeing uh, the recent results in Iowa maybe leaning a little bit disappointing, but here where I sit in Illinois, some very good potential. So it's split. Uh, it's it's uh, all about the finishing weather, and so we've got the eyes on the sky and looking at this forecast somewhat uh, it's concerning that it's a little bit hot and dry, but at the same time, condition ratings the way that they are, we feel like we're going to haul in something, and that's lately been adding a little bit of pressure all of a sudden to the market. Well, for much of August, it's been cooler than usual, but also dry. Yeah, that's right. And we were talking with a farmer this morning who says, wow, just beautiful living conditions. Now, crop growing conditions, not so much because we have had in a lot of areas just not the humidity to trigger some of these rains, even though uh, cooler temperatures and some sunshine have been otherwise favorable. So it's split, and as usual, again, it's this time of the year where we're really concerned with how are these crops in the Midwest going to finish. Well, Iowa dealing both with derecho damage and dry conditions, so that's certainly impacting their crop size. Yeah, the estimates are all over the board as we try to decipher what the damage was from the recent storm event there. And we're still seeing that in conjunction with, as you mentioned, the drought issue too. So they're in a tough spot. Many growers in parts of Iowa are after a very strong 2019 seeing uh, yields drop uh, quite drastically. So we're going to have to see if we start to cut from Iowa estimates here, uh, given the recent storm event and given the continued dry weather. Just the storm event alone, we're talking about, you know, potential balance a balance sheet impact of 400 or 500 million bushels. So it is a uh, quite a big deal. We'll have more information on the next crop report. USDA did say they'd get out there and resurvey acres, so that uh, could be something to provide us a little more information. We know there's some very good crops in Illinois, but there are some uh, trouble spots in this state as well. 207, that's the August yield estimate from USDA. It seems as if it's a high start. It'd be just slightly removed from a 210 record. National average, it's a 178.8. We're looking at the potential still for a a record crop across the belt, and if that's going to happen, it is going to be from... Uh, states like Illinois. Indiana, too, mentioned the problems with Iowa, but there's going to be some offsetting influence from a a bumper in Missouri and also, at least for now, strong crops to be hauled in in Minnesota as well. Yeah, that's always interesting if if there's a problem in a a big producing state like Iowa or Illinois. How do the other states around them, do they pick that up? We've heard some uh, big numbers out of like uh, South Dakota, for instance. Yeah, that's right, and and usually it is, you know, the so-called I states that we're talking a lot about, the center corn belt, the heart of the Midwest, but in recent years we've been talking a lot about outside areas, the Dakotas, uh, we're talking about the south, Texas, a huge yield last year to contribute on the corn side of things, record crops uh, hauled in in the mid-south states, and that looks true again this year too, so South Dakota's one, and then on the opposite end of the Corn Belt, states like Tennessee, 
Yeah, the factor is how does that influence a, a national yield estimate when you have such big totals coming from states like Illinois and Iowa, but it certainly does when you're uh, looking at, again, best ever yields coming out of certain states that we don't always talk about. So for some time now, the markets seemingly have just assumed a big crop. Has any of these reports, has that changed the market's thinking at all? Somewhat, because this last August crop report was a first look at survey-based estimates for row crop yield. We will have USDA enumerators start to get out in the field here in future reports, but generally speaking, the post-crop report strength that we've experienced, I think, is a result of traders and market participants saying, that's a strong start, aggressively so, from the government analysts. And so, yes, we can still very much expect uh, for many growers and, and the national average to come in strong, uh, but will it be quite as, uh, will it be a big crop that gets bigger, or will we start to see maybe some lessening of our optimism coming into the harvest time frame? And that's the general consensus lately is that it's good, but maybe not quite as good as we've got it on paper yet. Yeah, and how do we finish it out? We're talking with AgriVisor Manager Joe Kemp. Uh, let's talk a little bit about beans, and we're looking at uh, pod counts. So what what, have, what has stood out to you in these uh, tour numbers? Similar to corn, where we do have some concern about uh, what we're seeing in states like Iowa, we're still plenty of potential. Farmer telling me this morning that you get uh, one good rain, and it's going to make a world of a difference to finish out that soybean crop. In Illinois, we're seeing massive uh, pod counts, an indication that we absolutely uh, can support that record yield potential here in our state. So the beans, uh, definitely still plenty of potential. We know maybe a little bit uh, more tolerant of hot and dry. And so if it finishes that way yet, uh, yeah, nothing to take away from, from that crop yet. Again, like corn, though, USDA starting out really strong at 53.3 bushels an acre in August. We continue to watch basis numbers. Uh, what are you seeing with basis? Basis holding relatively firm, it looks like, for the most part, because we haven't yet had a big a rush of farmers selling here to coincide with the end of uh, the August marketing year and the rollover uh, to a new crop year. But we could still see that. Certainly, if board prices continue to rise, that would bring out more f a farmer selling. But the general consensus is we don't love the prices down here. We're going to be somewhat patient, see the farmer uh, hanging on in a way that could support uh, end users wanting to or needing to bid up a little bit to extend coverage before they start to get that fresh crop on. Yeah, we start seeing some pressure there. I mean, with a big, for many, a big crop coming in, maybe not a record crop, but at least a big crop, and needing space to store because it looks like a lot of it will probably go in storage. Does that uh, spark some movement? The space uh, concern will be, yeah, an issue. We're talking, of course, about the, the impact of that storm in states like Iowa and what will we do with a lot of that corn, stack the piles maybe a, a little bit higher. But when you talk about the impact on basis, yeah, that's going to be generally expected, even if it's going to uh, stay relatively firmer. Still some pressure, not going to be a surprise as we get into the harvest months because that's when uh, farmers are moving grain across the scale at, you know, at its maximum. And so we should have, at least uh, for the next couple of months, needs satisfied in a way um, you know, that keeps a lid on things, uh, even if uh, still supporting the values that we're seeing now. What are we seeing from ethanol plants and their purchases? Cautious. Um, I think we had... 
some optimism that we'd have uh, more production back online by now, but we look at some of the inventory numbers uh, strong enough to suggest that there will be that concern as we start to taper off for the summer driving season. Still a lot of concern about the fall and winter with work from home uh, uh, options and maybe still not as enough, uh, enough a motor vehicle mileage and exports not just picking up quite as much as we'd like. So uh, to think we're going to continue to run, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent uh, below a, a last year type of pace, that's that's going to be expected, I think. Well, let's look at the demand side as far as exports are concerned. Everybody, of course, watches uh, uh, what China does. They've made purchases. Uh, they're still behind as far as meeting phase one uh, levels. But uh, what are your thoughts on their, uh, the amount they're buying? Well, we're talking about some records, sometimes on a daily basis or a monthly basis. We're uh, stacking up the commitments to China on the soybean side of things, and we're seeing that they've just about taken as much as they ever have through uh, August of a, a calendar year. And so that, that's got the trade optimistic, but still you know, somewhat cautious still and skeptical about long-term follow-through. Uh, we see almost every morning flash sales come across for soybeans to China, and we've seen lately some corn sold too. And that's Something that can continue because what we're seeing in China on the grain side are, is, one, record domestic prices and just very strong natural demand. We see that the Chinese are buying based off of real consumptive needs. They're rebuilding hog herd, uh, just appetite um, rebuilding for soy proteins and, and feed grains. And uh, that's, again, maybe separate from what we could still see down the road, which is a, a more concerted effort by the Chinese government to refill the state-owned reserve. Okay, Joe, are you predicting any uh, harvest rallies? I think we could have a pre-harvest rally, maybe still a short mm -hmm. window of opportunity before we start to get into some of that seasonal pressure. If we continue to see these strong demand numbers, uh, that would be a friendly thing for prices. Of course, a rally... Uh, you know, in the eye of the beholder, what's a what's a rally as far as how big does it have to be to be a really good one? And so, you you want to get more specific on that? Yeah, what what we recommend is that we're making incremental sales uh, with futures December getting into the mid to low 340s, and then up uh, near 350, we see that as formidable resistance that would bring out plenty of selling. So we'd be, um, you know, uh, advocating some action there likely. Be ready to take advantage of opportunities as they come, right? That's right. Joe, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot for your thoughts and your perspective. We'll talk again. Same. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. AgriVisor Manager Joe Camp. Well, we're talking about these uh, crop predictions. How do the crops look as we head to harvest? We're going to go to the state of Ohio next, just north of Columbus. Cy Prettyman Farms there. We'll see what things look like on his farm and what he's hearing around his area. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So the pre-harvest crop tours and crop projections are underway. Let's uh, get the report from 
Ohio, north of Columbus, Cy Prettyman Farms there. Cy, good to talk with you again. How does your crop look? Yeah, we're looking pretty good. Uh, July was a little rough for us. I think the last time you and I talked, I was in need of a little rain, and mm-hmm. we stayed pretty dry through July, but we ended up some good rains right there at the end of July, 1st of August, um, right. and really turned the crop around, and things look look really pretty good right now. Do you think it's one of your better crops? I think it'll be a, it'll be a pretty good crop. Yeah, I don't know it'll be as good as 2018. That was probably our best year. Uh, um, be significantly better than last year, obviously, with some of the issues we had. But I, I think it's going to be right up there in the uh, top few that we've we've had here uh, recently, anyways. And beans, what do you think? Yeah, the beans. Um, We've got some different different planting dates on the beans. Some there we planted pretty early in in May, and then wrapped up with a few hundred acres there at the first part of June, and they all look pretty good. Um, if we continue to get a little bit of rain here through the end of the month, first part of September, I think those late planted beans will be uh, be outstanding. But yeah, from what I'm seeing out there, uh, talking to others around the area, everybody's expecting some, a pretty good bean crop right in this area, anyways. Have you had much disease or insect pressure this year? They've stayed pretty uh, pretty free from disease. Um, with the dry July, that really helped. Uh, we've been a little damper and have some damper mornings here in August, um, but not a lot to speak of. So health-wise, they look good. Haven't seen a lot of insects, uh, nothing that's been above uh, any kind of threshold levels where we've had to had to do any any treatments. Uh, so that's been that's been a positive too. We haven't had to do a lot with that. Did you avoid stress, heat stress in particular, around pollination time? We had some corn. The earlier planted corn was was tasseling and, and pollinating there during some of the drier, hotter times in July. It appears from the tests that I pollination tests I went out and checked in the fields a few spots. Everything looks pretty decent. Uh, so I think we were fortunate that we got through there and we did catch a few kind of light rains. There's some other areas across the state that are extremely dry that have missed some rains or in pockets, um, you know, and I've been through a few of those areas and, you know, I'm sure they're, uh, those areas are looking a little tough, but I think for up me personally, we, we lucked out on that in the later planted corn that was towards the end of May. Um, that was right in a period of time when it cooled down, we got, we had plenty of moisture. So we had excellent pollination during that time. We're talking with Ohio farmer, Cy Prettyman. Cy, this kind of, nervous time you're so close to harvest uh, you see what happened uh, recently in in iowa it uh, reminds you that uh, it, it may look good in the field but it's not done yet right that's right that's right there's always uh, always those strange things that can happen things that you don't expect uh, that could really turn the crop the other way I, I really feel for those guys out there we had a ratio came through here i think that was 2012 we were really hot and dry during that time frame it did bring us some rain but we had some damage to some some uh, grain legs and bends and um, laid the crop down not nearly like what i'm seeing out there we were a little earlier this that occurred in june so a lot of that corn stood back up it wasn't a lot of fun at harvest time with all the goosenecks out there but uh, um, we we did oak you know we fared a lot better than what i'm seeing out in the west from uh, this one that went through a week ago or so what is the storage situation in your area? Is there still a lot of old crop in the bin? Yeah, I've seen some. I've seen trucks moving in the last couple of weeks. Guys trying to maybe clean out some bins and get some things done. Not uh, nobody's real anxious about taking on additional as far as uh, the ethanol plants and some of the others. 
they're not bidding up much. They're not looking for a lot of grain. So uh, guys have been searching around from places trying to see where they can unload some of the old crop corn. Um, I was down a little bit last year because of preventive plant, so I got things cleaned up in pretty good shape and actually doing some work on some bends to, to get ready for this year's crop because I'm going to need all the space uh, I think I've got on for them. Of course, weather's the key as we head into harvest, but all things being equal, when do you think you'll get started with harvest? I'm looking, uh, I think the probably around the 20, between 20 and 25th of September, I'm hoping to start cutting some beans. And I've got some corn, uh, shorter season corn that went in early that I think, you know, around 1st of October, that uh, some of that might actually be dried down and, and ready to roll at that point too. So we'll see how the weather treats us and and how everything matures, but I think I'll have some crops there that I can get into uh, fairly quickly. That's farm science review time for Ohio, which is virtual this year, but that's if we get started with beans around there, that's that's a nice early start for us, and I, it's always nice to get a few acres knocked out there in late September and, and hopefully get all the beans in by the middle of October, and uh, at least for me personally, that's kind of my goal. Well, I have to ask you, being a Buckeyes fan, football fan myself i have to ask you what's the mood in ohio with no buckeyes football this fall uh not real excited everybody's disappointed not surprised but very disappointed would would be how i describe it the uh, everybody's just frustrated with with everything that's going on and what we've been dealing with this year with uh, with the covid situation and so i think everybody was looking for something to have just a release to uh, get take that off their mind for a little bit and watch a little football and and forget about everything else that's going on in the world around us but uh, unfortunately it looks like that's not going to happen at least here in the, the near term and of course we'll always tell ourselves as Buckeye fans this is the year we would have won it all right well that's what they're saying anyway so <laughs> they, were, uh, they did have a pretty good team as, as we saw last year unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, a uh, few missteps there right at the end of the season, but I think they, you know, obviously were a very good team last year and was looking forward to uh, having some pretty good success again this year with some of the talent they have. So, yeah. fortunately, they're they have a lot of talent and and uh, usually put a pretty good team out there almost every year. Yeah, we were looking forward to that rematch with Clemson. We'll just have to wait. Well, Cy, good to good to hear from you, and uh, we'll talk again as uh, you get the ready to start harvest. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Ohio farmer Cy Prettyman, he farms just north of Columbus. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up for today. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at some of the weather patterns shaping up for this harvest season, get an update on pork packing plants, and more crop updates from around the Midwest. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Have a great day, everyone.